You know the vibes. Another night of NBA playoff action. We're here to break it down for you. You're listening to the Hoop Genius Podcast presented by NBA 2K22. Momunsi, BJ Armstrong in the building, breaking down the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks. But before that, the Philadelphia 76ers and the Miami Heat. BJ, an interesting night of NBA playoff action. Made a change to, you know, yesterday night where the uh, road teams won. Today, the home teams defended their home court with the Miami Heat and the Phoenix Suns picking up Ws. Let's start with the Miami Heat. Going up against the Joel Embiid-less Philadelphia 76ers, who put up a valiant effort, you know, through that first half, they went in with a little one-point lead at halftime, and throughout the first three quarters yes. of the game, maybe even a little bit of the fourth, they put up a really good fight before, obviously, the Miami Heat pulled away down the stretch of the game. I want to give some credit to the Sixers because I didn't expect them to fight this hard. Coming out, game one, start things off. They started DeAndre Jordan in the starting lineup. <laughs> I knew that would get you excited, Mo. It didn't I knew well. that would get you excited. It got Miami <laughs> excited because it did not go well in the slightest. Yeah, he, uh, he did not have a good game. They actually downsized. They went to Paul Reed, who who was playing all right, but it, he got in some foul trouble. And then the Sixers went to the ultra small ball for playing without a center which actually yes. worked very well. I feel like, you know, for, it's not sustainable, but for Miami, if, if Bam Adebayo isn't going to dominate his authority um, in the way that he ended up doing, you know, he finished with 24 points, 12 rebounds. But, uh, you know, if, if Bam isn't going to say, okay, if you're playing a small ball lineup, I'm going to destroy you, then you can get away with it for stretches. And it did work for a while. And, you know, it was a good, interesting game one. You know, but ultimately, the depth of the Miami Heat prevailed. Tyler Harrow had a great game coming off the bench. He dropped 25, showing why he's the sixth man of the year. BJ, what stood out to you in this one? Well, you can look at Miami. Clearly, in the absence of Joel Embiid, you can see that the Philadelphia 76ers are trying to scramble. And they're just trying to find a combination that works for them. And I think that small ball lineup with Tobias Harris and them going small really, you know, allowed them to play at a quicker pace and find some things that they could do offensively. But in the end, I think the size, the athleticism of Bam, uh, just his physical pre presence eventually wore down this team. And of course, Tyler Hero and these guys got going. But I mean, I mean, the narrative of this game is the absence of Joel Embiid. I don't know what you really can expect, you know, without the big fella in the lineup and what he does and what he brings to the team. So, you know, you, you want to give them credit for hanging around for as long as they did. But overall, I mean, I don't know how realistic it is to think that they could win a game. I guess anything is possible. But I don't think Miami, they look like they're sharp. They look like they understand uh, what needs to happen, especially um, in his absence and, and knowing that, you know what, every game is critical and they they went out there and took care of business tonight. Well, you know, I think what a lot of fans, especially the Sixer fans, were hoping would happen would be taking Embiid off the floor, opens up the court for James Harden, step up and play like he did in Houston, you know, because now you're taking the dominant big man who requires touches off the court to have more of a lane and you saw James Harden make more of an effort to drive the ball on the inside, but he didn't have a great game. He finished with only 16 points. 
Maxi had a 19, Charles Tobias Harris had a 27. But, you know, um, I want to shout out to James Harden for getting those 16 points because the series is taking place in Miami and we know what it's like playing in Miami for some players on the road. So No, what's it What's it like? Well, what's it like? Uh, a lot of players in the NBA can be distracted sometimes when they go on the roads, Miami. <laughs> if, if we put it like that, you know, there, there's a lot of tourist attractions um, that, that players can fall into the trap of. So shout out to Harden turning up at the arena. Um, but I think fans and six of fans were hoping that he turned into 2018 James Harden and, and he showed off a thing or two there. So, um, yeah, you know, credit to uh, credit to the depth of the Miami Heat, who, in all due respect, were without Carl Lowry again. Uh, Gabe Vincent right. and starting lineup, but just the way that Eric Spolster can get these guys to play. A lot of people say it's not even just the players of the Heat that's so great, it's the system that they play in. So we've seen playoff minutes for Omer Yurtsev and tonight, shout out to my Turkish brother, must have been celebrating his Eve with the performance in the NBA playoffs. Um, but we had the Miami Heat running their bench into this game. Uh, and I, I thought it was a good win. But then one thing that I wanted to get your opinion on, BJ, is to start this game out at the very start the Miami Heat were running a little full-court press on defense. I think they wanted to come out and make a statement and make their intentions known early that we're not here to give you a game. We're here to get this series over and done with. What's your take on the Miami Heat running that high-pressure defense all the way from the start? Well, what you want to do is you want to make the opposing player expend energy. And to me, that is just great basketball. I mean, that's that's why Eric Spolster is one of the elite coaches in the NBA is because he's going to force James Harden to expend energy, right? Bringing that ball up to court, he's going to make him, he's going to try to turn him in the backcourt. You can see P.J. Tucker really made an effort every time, especially when they score, is to address the ball and put pressure on the basketball. And that's very irritating to a, you know, a lead guard, a point guard, when you have to face that level of pressure over and over again but on the other hand to me that's why Tyrese Maxey to me just makes sense Tyrese Maxey to me just makes sense now you know we keep waiting on you know like you know you just said earlier James Harden to turn back the hands of time well maybe in the future that may be the case but that's not going to happen now and that's why I think it's important to let Jane let Tyrese Maxey be the lead guard and alleviate any type of press, <laughs> okay? The, I don't know too many guards that could pick him up full court. So allow Tyrese Maxey to do that, get James Harden off the ball, and force him to just be a scorer because that's what he is right now. You know, James Harden does not have the ability or has not shown consistently that he can get by, create the havoc that we've seen him do in the past, not doing that consistently. And that's why I think Tyrese Maxey, when he's playing downhill, wow. I mean, this mm. kid is just, I mean, he made some tough shots tonight. So, you know what? I think, you know, Coach Rivers will probably take a look at that as well. And then allow James Harden to just be a scorer. Just allow him to be a scorer. Just say, hey, James, you're going to be a two guard. If you can give us 16 to 20 points, if you get it going, you rebound the basketball, of course, you push it up. But otherwise, we're going to alleviate any type of pressure <laughs> that the opposing team is going to put on us put it in Maxie's hand, and then let's move on and, and get into our sets. Well, you know, I, I think a lot of people out there, um, you know, I was, I was speaking to a few friends during the day, and they said, man, I just wish that they switched the tip-off times because a lot of people weren't too excited about the Sixers series without Joel Embiid, although he is 
reportedly trying to make a return, put on yes. a mask and get back during the series. But what everyone was looking forward to was the Dallas Mavericks versus the Phoenix Suns, which tipped off 3 a.m. UK time. Uh, so it's the late tip off over here. It looked like the Dallas Mavericks were down and out. They were down by about 30 points. They managed to claw it back to get within six. An interesting matchup because the Mavericks started off so cold. Luka Doncic doing what only Luka Doncic can do. He put up 45 points to go along with 12 rebounds and eight assists. But ultimately, that wasn't enough. As six players on the Phoenix Suns scored in double digits. And they came away with the game one win defending their home court. BJ, what stood out to you from this one? What were your takeaways from this game? Well, clearly, you know, you can see what Dallas is trying to do. You know, they'll give up two in order to get three. And they came out in the first half and they really shot the ball exceptionally well. Okay. Uh, the kid, was it Klebler? Kleber? Is that Kleber. how you pronounce his name? Yeah, yeah. Kleber. Kleber. I mean, he came out. I think he made his first five out of six. You know, shots, you know, he made his first five out of six from three and they're willing to, you know, extend the defense. You know, it was very interesting to hear, you know, Jason Kidd, Coach Kidd's take on the difference between this series and last series. And he said, look, you know, I'm quoting him, you know, I, you know, I'm paraphrasing him. He said, we're not playing against Luca. Do- I mean, we're not playing against uh, uh, Whiteside. And Rudy Gobert. <laughs> These big men. Now, I don't know. I didn't know how to take that, right? I didn't know how to take that. Right? I mean, he's I speaking know. facts. I mean, he's speaking yeah, facts. I, you know, I didn't know how to take that. But what I do know is that I, I, I love how Coach Monty Williams just said, you know what? My bigs are going to post up and take advantage of the mismatch. And Finney Smith, you know, you can't guard. Okay, you can't guard, you know, the big fella, DeAndre Ayton. You know, you can't guard him. And DeAndre Ayton was simply sensational. You know, Powell didn't play a lot. Um, and, you know, they got they got contributions off the bench. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie didn't really get it going tonight. So, and, and, but and Luka was Luka. I mean, Luka was simply, it was one of those classic Luka games where he has 40, 45. But, however, you know, you live by the three, which tonight they did, and he, you know, it's going to be tough some nights by that three. So they shot it well. I like that. The fact that, you know what, they were contested threes. And, and, but overall, I thought Phoenix got to their stuff. They were able to execute and they got the shots that they wanted. So, you know, without, without Dallas shooting exceptionally well, I thought from three tonight, and which really kept them into the game, you know, always kept them within striking distance. I thought overall Phoenix really had much, pretty much control of this game, even late. I know they only they only won by seven, but it was a twenty point game there in the fourth quarter. And um, you know, give give Dallas credit. I mean, they shot threes, made baskets, made plays, and they kept playing all the way to the end. Yeah, I think Max Cleaver making five of his first six three pointers that really kept them hanging around in the game, even when they weren't players too great. The Phoenix Suns. They recognize, you know, the advantage they have in terms of the size in the middle. And they made a concerted effort at the start of the game in particular to get the ball to DeAndre and down low and said, go to work, big fella. They were trying to dump the ball down low, give it to him, get him touches inside the paint to really establish that presence. And with, with all due respect to DeAndre, he did his job. 25 points, eight rebounds, got them to W. And then Javon McGee came in off the bench and they still tried to mm-hmm. dominate with the size and you know, one thing that's interesting for me is when I watched Luka Doncic play, he had a great game, but 
you know, you see these players, they try and hunt out the switches on a screen roll and they try and hunt mm. the, the matchups that they want. And most players, they do that down the stretch in the fourth. Luca was doing that from the tip off. As soon as the right. ball tipped off, they had Bridges guarding him. And then he was trying to get a screen and get Chris Paul guarding him or the screen and get DeAndre Ayton guarding him. And he didn't have too much success against those guys in particular. But it's Luca, So he did get the ball uh, going through the bucket. He, he had a very solid performance. But, you know, what, what stands out to me is like, we see this over and over again with the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic can put up over 40 points a game. And they can get and, and they can lose. What do the Dallas Mavericks need on their team to take it to a next level? Because right now, watching that game tonight, it looked like the Phoenix Suns were a class ahead of the Dallas Mavericks. What do they need on their roster to put them in that same category as the Phoenix Suns? Well, when you're shooting the ball well, well, you know, I, I you know, I think they shot over 40% tonight from three. It can keep you in the game. You know, shooting the ball well covers up a lot of mistakes. However, you know, the, the, the Phoenix Suns were able to get any shot that they wanted. So I think defensively, if Dallas is going to have a chance to win this series, they're going to have to play much better defense. And this is going to have to start up with matchups. Now, if they're going to match up, you know, with their bigs, that's going to take away some of their three-point shooting. And clearly you can see that Coach Kidd and the staff said, we have to extend this defense. Right. We're going to hunt down matchups. We're going to let, allow Luca to be aggressive. If they help, we're going to put our corners in the threes. And, you know, all those guys, Max in particular, he was open for a reason. Right. Now, that's a game plan. Offensively, you can see that they can get shots, which is always a plus. You know what you can get to. However, they're going to have to stop somebody, Mo. You always, you always hear me talk about mm-hmm. that. You have to stop someone. So mm-hmm. I think defensively, they're going to have to pick their poison. What are they going to do with Devin Booker? What are they going to do with the screen and roll? Because the size of DeAndre Ayton, JaVale McGee, and these guys clearly was an advantage. And you saw that reflected you know, Cam in the Cam Johnson came in. 51 to 38 yes. in terms of the Phoenix Suns. That's what I'm saying. They, they're going to have to – they're going to now – you got to give up something. Okay, they said they're going to give up size, rebounding, so forth on the defensive end to gain something. If they don't shoot the ball well, though, more they have an off shooting night, this is easily a 20 point plus win and then they get down. Yeah. OK, and, and I don't know. I mean, look, is it possible for Luca to play like this? Yeah, but you're going to ask who else to step up and do this. You know, mm-hmm. I thought they did a really good job on Brunson tonight. Um, you know, he you know, here's a guy that had a 40 point effort in the last series. OK, yep, and he, and he gets what, 13 or so. And yeah, he, and he, then well, Spencer well, Genwitty only had like eight. Well, Brunson had to sit early with foul trouble. Um, right. So, you know, that, that's part of the reason he couldn't really find his rhythm and and find his flow. But yeah, for the Phoenix Suns, the role players were getting whatever they want. Guys like Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, they were just hitting right. mostly open three pointers whenever they needed to. Uh, Cam Johnson has 17 off the bench, three from six from behind the arc. Uh, Jay Crowder really struggled shooting a three ball in the first round. He went three from five. It's got to be one of his best shooting. I mean, he hasn't yeah. shot the ball well, but you know, for him, I don't worry about him. He he plays well no matter what because he, he had in, so. he had the uh, foul, uh, offensive foul early on in the yeah, game. The kick, mm-hmm. the leg kick. Yeah, like, yeah, you know Draymond what? I, that was a little questionable. Very. Uh, 
very entertained by. He had a he had a few things to to insinuate on that. That was a very very strange way to kick your leg out when you're shooting a three pointer. Oh stop um, it, Mo. Oh was stop it. Really? Well, let me tell you something. Okay, maybe you can. Let me tell you something. Jay Crowder, there's no way that you're playing and you are figuring out whether you're going to shoot it, pass it, block, slips out of your hand, and I'm going to kick the guy on the move like that. Mo. I've never seen his legs do that on any other three-pointer he shoots, though. So what was it about that How many times do you see guys flop? How many times do you see guys flop? All of these guys flop. Luca flopped on that play? Yeah, all of these guys flop. Everybody flops and flails. You know, a guy gets hit and he throws his hand back or he, he exaggerates, whatever. But if you're telling me that Jay Crowder has the ability to make all of these decisions, okay? So all of these decisions is kicking your leg out when a guy's closing no. out to you. You know what's a funny, the funniest thing about that play? Mm was Reggie Miller was on the call. Oh, God. And I was screaming at my television, Reggie, you better not say a word. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. a Reggie Miller trademark. Yeah, yeah. Legs I was out like, three Reggie, attempts. You, you better not say a word. Now, I, I, I could get it if you're shooting or doing something, but no, this guy's on the move. He's playing the balls. All, all these guys flail. I mean, it is what it is. Well, you know, it's looking right now that the semifinals, in the playoffs, I personally don't see this series against Dallas being a long series. I think uh, the Philadelphia series won't be a long series either unless Embiid can make a return. And even then, I don't know how it will go. But then the Celtics and the Bucks and the Grizzlies and the Warriors, tonight's games. If the Celtics and the Grizzlies, either of them lose this game tonight, then things get really scary for either of them really quickly. So I want to just look ahead to tonight's matchup. And we'll start with the Bucks at the Celtics. BJ, what adjustments are you looking for the Boston Celtics to make in this game? And how can they defend the home court and win one at home? Well, I think the first thing they have to do is they have to remain very patient on the offensive end. And they're going to have to trust their offense and what it is they do. I thought Milwaukee did a great job of dictating the shots they were willing to live with. And clearly they were, they were willing to live with the three-point shot. A contested three-point shot they said, hey, that's what we're going to give up. And that shot will, will be there in the first quarter. It'll be there at the beginning of the shot clock. And it'll be there at the end of the shot clock. But the Boston Celtics are going to have to remain patient enough to run their offense and get better shots and get mm. the shots that they want. Inside, that's going to be the first thing. Inside yes. three-point line. Well, they're just going to have to get – this is a really good defensive team. So they're going to have to utilize their offense to get the shots that they want to get and then live with the results. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's going to be the first thing I thought overall defensively, they were good. Um, You know, it's always room for improvement. I mean, Giannis is Giannis. You know, I would love to say, you know, that you're going to be able to contain him, but overall he only had what 24, 25 points. I thought they did a really good job on him. His passing yeah. is what they wanted him to do, and he did it. <laughs> okay, yeah. and he honest, just happened to do it. Giannis ex- quote, <laughs> "MF, ma, uh, these these guys thinks I can't pass." That's that's what he had to say. I ain't gonna swear. We got a family friendly show, but he said yeah. these MF think right. I can't pass. 
I can show them. Yeah, but Giannis shot 36% from the field. Drew Holiday shot 40% from the field. It's not often that happens, and the Celtics should have taken advantage of that in game one. They didn't. They go into Boston for game two, and if the Bucks win this, I believe it will be a clean sweep of the series. Yeah, it, you know, sweeps are always are always tough, especially as you advance. You know, they, they, these are two prideful teams. I expect Boston to really come out with the energy because I think they're going to play with a sense of desperation because I think they know this as well. And you can't allow Giannis in particular, okay? And, and I, I just want to say this. I just want to say this to, to the listeners here, okay? You know, Giannis is doing this minus Chris Middleton. Mm-hmm. I don't want to forget this. Okay, how many players in this league right now, you can take away the second best player on the team and still get these type of results? And you always hear, I, you always hear me say this, Mo, and, and our listeners always hear this say, what's your impact on winning? Giannis is the most impactful player in the game today. For him to come out and be able to play like this, we kind of take it for granted now, Mo. Mm-hmm. And I mean, think about Mo, think about this now. We just saw the Boston Celtics, and we just gave them the praise, which which was well deserved. And Giannis comes in, in round two and gets a win. And Mo wasn't even one of his better games. So I was thinking about this when I was watching the Mavericks just play this game. The Celtics had such an easy time in the first round. You know, that Brooklyn team and Kevin Durant and these guys, they're so different to Milwaukee. It's so different to Giannis. It reminded me also of the Dallas Mavericks having to play against the Utah Jazz and the Jazz being quite a one-dimensional team. It was quite comfortable for them. I'm not saying it was easy, but... They won that series with Luca Vissi the first, what was it, two or three games? And mm-hmm. then they came and took care of business, right? Both teams, these game ones were wake-up call for them. Whereas, right. you know, this, the, the Bucks already had the wake-up call when Chicago won one of the games that they shouldn't have won in Milwaukee. And the Phoenix Suns had their wake-up call with the New Orleans Pelicans winning a couple games right. against them. So that's what I thought, you know, looking at the matchups. In the yeah, first round, yeah. is, you know, these teams Mo, are I, I, I think, Mo, and, I think that's and a, now they're awake. Whereas the Celtics... Mo, and, I think you make... Go ahead, go ahead. The, the Celtics and, and the Mavericks, they needed that game one if they want to have any hope of bouncing back in this playoffs. They can't just walk through it. I think you're making a very good point. And, and, and Omo, and, and the one thing I don't want to get too ahead of myself, I think it's important for, for all of us as we're watching this, is that these teams are advancing. They have what's called basketball integrity. The Boston Celtics are going to play better in game two. And if Milwaukee is going to win game two, they're going to have to play much better. Because if they get seven turnovers in the first quarter tomorrow night, more than likely Boston is going to win that game. So they're going to have to play much better. I think Boston is going to come in. The fans are going to be behind them. And they're going to come in and, and, and really, I think they're going to up the, 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 the level of intensity to get this game. This is a must game for them, Mo. Yes. You know, this is a must game for both of these teams. And Memphis is the same. 
You know, Memphis yeah. right now, they are in trouble. Because I'm going to tell you something about this. Memphis, to me, they're in, they're in a really, really tough situation. Because when they go back to, to San Francisco, to the Bay Area, I think that's going to be a lot to overcome. Mm-hmm. And Draymond's back. That's what I'm saying. I, I just think that's going to be a lot to overcome. You think the Warriors so, can steal game two on the road? Go up to zip? I really do. I, I, re- I really do. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, and I'm going to tell you why. The one thing about Steph Curry I've watched over the years is Steph Curry has a, has a, is a, he has a unique combination that I think we underestimate because he looks young. He, he's this nice guy. I, you don't really see, he doesn't really show the competitive fire and competitive juice that he really has. He really does a nice job of disguising that. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about a great player. You don't ascend to that level of excellence without having some level of edge to you. And I'm going to tell you something right now that I respect, especially at his age right now. He's hearing all the chit chatter about how great John Moran is and what he's doing and who's coming on. He's hearing about John Moran talking about he, he's, he could be the best point guard right now. He's hearing about John Moran in the MVP conversations right now. And Steph Curry is not letting that slide. Mm, he does this. He does it against the Hawks when he plays Trey Young. Now, I'm going to, now, Trey Young, I mean, Trey Young. Steph Curry is not known as a defensive player, but that was a terrific defensive effort. Oh, no, he's been playing. Game. He's been playing very good defense, I think. Yeah, he he's he gives the effort. That's all you can ask. Just give me what you got, but give me the effort necessary. He give that was a defensive play where he needed to give multiple efforts and he did it. So I expect Steph Curry really to have one of those flamethrower type games mm-hmm. because he's not letting this slide. I think he has found his motivation to say, oh, okay, he's a good player, but I'm still here. And I, I'm expecting him to have one of those yep. 40 point efforts. And really put the dagger to say, he may be next after I'm gone, but I'm still here. So I, I'm, 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 I, I just, I really like what I saw from him. And he continues even at this age. And I, and I love that as you mature as a player, sometimes you, you know, you just, you don't have the energy to deal with these younger guys. But the fact that he's still doing it and he's found this level of motivation. I think they come out in game two and really try to take advantage and really say, you know what, let's get rid of these guys and and, and really try to bury them while we, while we got them down. Man, I can't wait. Uh, just a couple of things. Um, Rudy Gobert in Utah. You know, they're going to get into this right now. I'll just update you guys. Reports are saying he's told the Jazz it's him or me, as in Donovan Mitchell or me, trade one, or, you know, I'm going to want out. Uh, he says that this is not true. It remains to be seen what they'll do with that situation. We'll discuss this later on in the week. Um, speaking of French big men, Joel Embiid has applied to become a French citizen, meaning he'll be eligible to play for France at the Olympics. Who who did this? Joel Embiid. 
he's applied to become a French citizen. Yeah, uh, I don't know if citizen is like French national, some sort of passport thing, whatever it is, but it means that he'll be able to play for France. So, you know, with Gobert, who plays much better for France than he does for the Jazz, and Embiid and Victor Wembanyama, that's three seven-footers, BJ. Maybe your dream of the all-seven-foot lineup is actually going to come from a French national team. Is that the young the kid NBA. that's over there? Is that yep. the young kid? Is yeah, that the young that's kid? Seven foot four can shoot step back threes and handle the ball and there's all types of crazy. So let's keep an eye out on that for the next Olympics if that does happen. We're going to be here again tomorrow breaking down the action from the Celtics and the Bucks. Hopefully the Celtics don't disgrace me once again. And then, of course, the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies. So we'll be here nice and early tomorrow morning, breaking down all the actions. Make sure that you share the show with your friends. Let them know this is the place you need to be for all your playoff needs, breaking down all of the action. We're here, BJ and I are here. Make sure you review the show. Leave us a little five stars on Spotify. But most importantly, until next time, get buckets.